the significance of choosing tonight for our Zoom meeting to discuss how we live a meaningful life and how our mission in lives really come about um, just struck me. Not only <laughs> that it's my birthday yesterday, and thank you for those birthday wishes, but that it's just before the Jewish New Year. Now, the Jewish New Year is earmarked by an intensive deliberation of where we are in our lives, whether we are on course, and to hear the call to responsibility anew. We want to be inscribed in the book of life, you know, living in the way that we should be living and going in the direction in which we are to go. You know, we want to come out of this entire, what is called the days of all, with a new resolve. And we want to be able, actually, like everyone realizes with every new year, we want to be able to raise our glasses, and I've got one here, to raise our glasses in a vow to commit ourselves anew to life, to be able to say, Lechaim, to life. <laughs> it's so wonderful. And you know, it's a commitment to be made, not just from year to year. Jewish customs reflect it from one new month to the next month from one week, from one Sabbath to the next, from day to day, and from moment to moment. That's incredible, isn't it? And, you know, if we reflect on what uh, Frankl determined as the basic principles of logotherapy, that life, 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 life is unconditionally meaningful. And that each person, every single person, has unconditional value, worth, and dignity. Why? Because everyone has been given life. And life is what Frankl said we should experience as good, as beautiful, as wonderful, as truthful. Life is altogether good. And, you know, it's so amazing that the Jewish New Year also commemorates the birth of the first man, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are presented to us as adults on the brink of an adult life. In other words, with the capability through the breath that was breathed into them, the breath of conscious awareness of accountability. Conscience. With the ability to discern what is wrong. And what is right? And you know what is wrong and what is right? The, and here we come to such a wonderful understanding of how to live a meaningful life.
because we've already seen and we've contemplated that every newborn baby reaches out for life. It wants to connect to life through a significant other and wants to get involved with and explore that life, get to know it. And, you know, to overcome actually, and we see this as our struggle, and that story began with Adam and Eve when they were sent out of paradise with a commission to overcome every doubt against whether life is meaningful or not. And, you know, Franco predicated that on the fact that the individual has that worth, that will to meaning, that unconscious connectedness to the divine, and search for meaning, for the meaning of their lives. It's inherent to all of us. Think about this in terms of just the value and beauty of life. A, an infant that may have been born horribly crippled and may just live for a few hours. We treat that infant with such precious care because that, that infant is a little person. It has life, even if for just a few hours. And this is the reverence we show to anybody that is weak and incapacitated and struggling to find their way. This is how we revere life and the lives of others. So, you know, let's see. No one, in other words, no one is born wicked. And, and this is the unscathed and untainted power of the human spirit that knows it's got to connect itself with the divine essence of life itself. And that ability is given to everyone. Just contemplate this um, scripture from Ezekiel. It says, say to them, as I live, said the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked should turn and live. And therefore, you know, the commandment to us, this is the prime commandment I set before you today and every day. Life and blessing or death and cursing. Choose this day whom you will serve. And choose life. And this is actually, you know, this is logotherapy. We help our clients to, to revere their own lives, to see the value and potential of it, the worth and meaning of it, that they're not here in a kind of a trashy way. They're here with worth and dignity and a calling that is waiting for them to fulfill. And how is that calling fulfilled? How do we live a meaningful life? You know, it's not so difficult. We see that from, from, the, from infancy, 
A baby reaches out to that which is life-enhancing, life-giving, life-affirming. And it withdraws from and builds defenses against what is destructive to its own life. And that makes it doubt the worth of its own life and, and humiliates and distresses it to the point of maybe even falling mentally ill. My word. So how is it that we live moment by moment um, in terms of making the one right choice, like Frankel said? It's easy. It's easy. Every, every uh, situation, Frankel said, is a stop sign. First, to listen. What is this situation calling upon me to do or to be? What attitude am I to have? What am I to do? And it's always, the yardstick is always, uh, is, my, is what I'm feeling and the way I want to react Beneficial. Does it actually add to the quality of life of someone else? Does it uplift them? Does it serve them? Does it make them feel good? Or does it do the opposite? Oh, boy. We spoke about a, a discipline. And we came to the conclusion that discipline is an inner process of self Mastery. How do we master um, and come to a point of saying, here I am, here I am. I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not running away. I'm not excusing my bad actions. I'm not justifying what is wrong. Here I am. And I choose to go the right way. And you know, it's every choice that you make, every choice, the smallest one, please, the smallest one. And, you know, even like I'm busy working and somebody knocks at the door and I, you know, I'm irritated and I open the door saying, what's it? Or, well, wait a moment, someone's at the door. I leave my work, I go to see who it is. And I welcome them. I listen to them. It's, it's a moment by moment by moment orientation to life. That's what it is. And the more we learn to take our own emotions and, and reactions under control and put it in the right direction, we gain mastery. We spoke about the objective uh, uh, values and meanings of life. It's there. It's there. And we can see that it has all to do with whether we revere the life that we've been given. I mean, what are you doing with your life? Are you throwing it away? Are you abusing it? Are you spoiling and harming it? What are you doing to yourself? You know, if they do not come to a point of a sharp sense of accountability, well, you know what? My actions have 
act, reactions on others. It does something either for good or bad to them. And I am accountable for what I do. That's the whole essence of repentance. I'm so sorry I spoke so harshly to you. It's no excuse. I don't say, okay, but you know what this, that, and It's no excuse. This is the kind of mastery we will have to gain and that we are challenged to gain. Think about all the things that you've learned in logotherapy. What are you storing into the past? Are those moments of achievement, of doing the right thing, and filling your past with the rich granaries that it's meant to have? But you know, it's so wonderful that even if you are brought to a point that you reflect on that past and saying, Where am I going? No, man, yes, like, you know, I'm not myself. You know, I, I'm always in an attention, I'm always anxious, I'm always irritable, and I do such a lot of wrong things, and I try to struggle to the top. It doesn't matter what it does to anybody else. I'm full of hostile, hostile, hostile feelings and, 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 and actually hateful thoughts. Well, you know, I don't like me. I don't like the person I'm seeing here. No, 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 I'm sorry, I just don't like me. And I, and this is the, the power of the life that's been breathed into us conscience. I can change. I can change. I can choose today to make right what I did wrong. And then, you know, that repentance, in fact, you know, it's incredible, but it's like you are, it's like life accumulates in terms of an opportunity when you repent. It's not like things are forever lost and, oh, my word, now I'm just catching up. No! When you repent and change, my word, and when you've learned the lessons of life to never harm it, to always be in of it, to always be grateful for it. When you see every opportunity as an opportunity to serve and to be what you're supposed to be in terms of blessing others in need of it, you know, that kind of repentance to change has a most dramatic effect. And this is the glory. This is the glory of it. You know, let me just make that real again. What if I was and I had a horrible childhood? What if I was so hurt and I was so full of anger and austerity? And, you know, and envy and competition and all the rest of it. Or, you know... Oh, I just suffered and suffered and suffered. Wait a moment. Everything that I did wrong or that was uh, anything that was done wrong to me has a lesson. And it teaches me 
Oh, my word, I'm telling you, somebody who has turned from a, from a, a terrible life and have come to live a life of worth and dignity and that they, they have far more to tell us of what is right and good and beautiful and true in life than those who perhaps didn't have it so bad. This is the accumulation that life gives you when you change. The past begins, your past mistakes, your past so-called sins begin to serve you. You have gained an expertise. You have gained a talent now that leads you in the direction of your peculiar destiny. This is the glory of it. This is the marvel of it. That is why when we go to synagogue on New Year and Yom Kippur, a day of atonement, we dress in white. Because we expect our, our slates of wrongdoing, not only to be white clean, but to come back to us with such knowledge. I'm so better I'm so more aware, I'm so more knowledgeable about what is I am not supposed to do or what is hurtful to others. I've become more sensitive. I've become very much more vigilant. And you know, when you then come to that point and it comes, it comes, it comes, where these wonderful laws of life, of meaning, because only what is life-giving has, has meaning. Whatever is not life-giving, what is life-destructive, loses meaning. You can lose your human stature if you do not change and go down the road of wickedness. If those wicked people do not turn, they are not going to live. Okay? Eternal death is awaiting them. And life is eternal. If we become one with it, we will live eternally beyond death. My word, what a magnificent, magnificent story. To dress in white. Well, it's like a bride. It's like a bride. You know, when at last you found your life's partner, at last, you know with whom you want to spend the rest of your life. Be in partnership with. Oh, boy, that's the point where your destiny really begins. You know, where you really begin to give expression to yourself in terms of service. You know, it's like you know, no longer caught in the struggles that hold you back and trip you up and throw you aside. You are now living victoriously. You see every difficult situation now, not as a threat, but as a challenge, as an invitation to act. Well, I'm given a chance to show thou the, the defiant power of the human spirit and that I can come out of this situation triumphantly. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Oh, can I tell you, can I tell you how great it is not to give up on anybody? You may have, you may have 
a, a loved one that, that, that could have gone disastrously astray. And everybody's ready to say, they're over and done with. Oh, God. Oh, God. Judgmentalism and this arrogance of, of a, a kind of conceit that knows nothing of love. That is only there to serve. And, you know, it's only as you give that you become whom you're supposed to be. Like I said, you can't grow in isolation. You grow through love. So, you know, to not give up on somebody, even if it takes the agony of years of waiting. You know, I mean, look how long the human story is. Look at the suffering history of the Jews, how long it has gone on. You know, we, we also struggle like you do with the, with, with the performance of our destiny. We're still learning. But don't judge us. And we won't judge you. Like, you know, one of the wonderful rabbis said, God chose the Jews to show the world that they are chosen. We're here to build each other up in our most holy faith that life is unconditionally meaningful. So, you know, let me just tell you what destiny does to you. You know, what happens to you? (laughs) You know, you feel strongly drawn in a certain direction because your destiny is something you've been shaped for. Uh, it's and, and you've been shaped through suffering and learning experiences. And, you know, there was an ordained path that brings you to a point where you say, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm interested in. This draws me. And, you know, it, it can be a particular area of service, a particular, you know, I find that each one of you have got a particular skill, a a particular talent, a particular way of doing things in a particular situation. You're singular, irreplaceable, and so am I. Well, when you begin to know your own uniqueness and you love others as you love yourself, and you know, it's in, in actually impossible to love yourself if you don't love others. <laughs> because if you don't love yourself, you're full of all those horrible, hostile feelings, and boy, all your relationships are very disturbed. But oh, the day that you fall in love with life. Oh, the day. And, you know, it's it's... That drawing power, and, you know, there are all signs of cues to keep you on course because this is why it's a year by year, month by month, week by week, day by day, moment by moment, because, you know, like like we discussed about distraction, it's so easy to get distracted, you know, to become dull to kind of become smug or, you know, and kind of stagnate a bit. But what happens? And here's the nudge of meaning. You begin to feel very restless, okay? And here's another sign, you know, uh, that because you can get involved with things that you think, well, you know, that's a good thing. Oh, that's a good thing. Oh, that's a good thing. I really know I'm going to be involved. Yeah, then... But you know what? You will find 
that if you're not in the place where you're supposed to be, that uh, that there is a feeling of um, you you kind of lose interest in this. You know, it's you know, okay, you know, it's not really for me. Yeah, it sounded so interesting, but you know, it's not really for me. Um, and you know, this is uh, it, you know, there's uh, one of the logotherapists uh, wrote a book, the unbearable boredom of being, because you can get bored, bored, and that's a terrible feeling to have when you're bored. Because why are you bored? There's nothing to excite you. There's nothing to enliven you. There's nothing that you feel you feel drawn to and you want to do. Boredom is unbearable. And there's another kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, it's such a trap to to fall into a feeling of self-importance and to lose your wonderful, uh, like Frankel said, you know, we are most fully ourselves when we forget ourselves because we're so involved with that which we love to do. My God, please let me do it. You know, and it's just, I'm not thinking about myself, you know, and so often you can be in a place of, like I was, you know, listen, I know all about all of these mistakes, make no mistake. <laughs> when I was uh, teaching a certain direction, you know, a, a certain subject, and I thought that's, you know, and I really had, uh, I, I got, uh, I, and, and I got restless. I, I didn't feel comfortable. And it's almost as if I heard a voice and I even said it to myself, what am I doing here? What I'm doing here, somebody else can do and they can do it better than I do. I've left the place where I should be empty. Oh, well, all of these are cues of meaning. Please, you must begin to listen to that. And, you, you know, because it's as you learn to hear the voice that comes through to you and awakens your conscience with all these little signs of restlessness, boredom, even unhappiness is a meaning cue, okay? If you're unhappy, there's something wrong. Why? The joy in living. The joy in living. Because, boy, if you're doing what, what, what you are supposed to do, like Frankel said, happiness is just a natural outflow of it. Joy is an outflow of it. Such joy. So, you know, I, I want to actually let us um, discuss these things, but I want to end with, with two songs. <laughs> you, know, you said about singing. Um, you know, here is the mystery. Whether you understand it or not, or whether you want to understand it or not, but the more you begin to live life appreciatively in the way that it calls, because life always calls for our right involvement with it, not so. The, the greater you you uh, draw close to life itself and, and you know these uh, the, the, the laws for meaningful living has become so part of who you are you actually draw closer to the life giver 
himself. After all, life is given by the life giver as a task to discover its beauty and its glory. That's it. So, you know, there's a song. It comes from My Fair Lady, the musical. And there with this, I don't know if you recall that, that wonderful movie. But um, the, the main character sings this song about, he's a, he was a professor in linguistics and he got an, uh, a, a, a woman that really had a very bad accent. You know, she was a flower seller. And he tutored her to be able to express herself in a beautiful way. <laughs> but he says, he's, he wrote, you know, he's saying this song about her. I've grown accustomed to her face. She, she really makes the day begin. You know, and I changed it too. I've grown accustomed to his ways. It really makes the day begin. And as you learn about it and you can come to the point where he's saying, it's second nature to me now, like breathing out and breathing in. I was arrogantly independent and complacent before we met. Surely I could always be that way again and yet. I've grown accustomed to his ways, accustomed to his face. Oh, glory. But now, my last lachaim to life is to you. Uh, who knows this song from the king and I? And I'm singing this to you because, you know, in the foreword to my book, The Life, uh, Life's a meaning in the face of suffering. Yeah, I first of all thanked on the page of dedication, thanked my husband. I said, how do you thank a person who has brought you onto your life's ordained course? <laughs> that wedding, that walk of love. Wow. But I also wrote this to the unknown God who is known among us by the image we bear of him in the way we relate to each other. That's how life's meaning is expressed. You know, it's no good <laughs> saying, oh, I love God and you hate your brother. He said, oh, the, the scripture says you're a liar. All the law is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the application of, and it's very real, and it's down to earth, and it's here and now, in your relationship, every day, with whomever you are in contact with. That's just what it is. Very simple. So let me sing this song to you. It's called Getting to Know You. Because that's what it's all about. Getting to know life is getting to know one another. Our own uniqueness and singularity and beauty. Oh, wow. Isn't that great to see each other like that? 
getting to know you, getting to know all about you, getting to like you, getting to hope you like me, getting to know you, putting it my way but nicely. You are precisely my cup of tea. Getting to know you, getting to feel free and easy. When I am with you, getting to know how, what to say. Haven't you noticed? Suddenly I'm bright and breezy because of all the beautiful and new things I'm learning about you day by day. And I lift my glasses to every one of you. Lechaim. <laughs> Thank you, Teria. I think it is even true uh, about the, the closest people to us, uh, a husband, a wife, or whatever you, if you think, oh, I know them, then you've got an image about them. But if you discover them every day anew, because <laughs> really, it's not funny, because they, are, they remain a mystery. They're that's right, that's free. right. You, you discover them, actually you didn't know what they hadn't. And you actually, you know, like Frankel said, if we treat people um, like they ought to be, they, we yeah. help them become it. And love brings out such new qualities in our beloved. Yeah. Yeah, and what he says is that you see the, the potential, the potentialities in in the loved one, uh, which they don't see yet or have not realized yet, and that connects to it, that um, you see you see much more in that person, and that person can surprise you every day again, every moment again, if they are authentic, if they are truthful, if they are growing all the time, then you never know beforehand who you're going to meet tomorrow <laughs> oh you're so right Dida. um you know in getting um this oh pan thank you for collecting all those birthday messages wow wow what a blessing um but you know uh i got such a wonderful surprise uh from from my granddaughter who sent me a message and i what my she is She's so perceptive. She's so mature. I, I didn't realize just how sensitive this child is. You know, it is like you say. They surprise you, Dido. You surprise me, Dido. <laughs> <laughs> Dido just won a wonderful court case that's been going on for years, and it's such a triumph because it was against a very unjust and ugly situation. And she had to learn to take her stand, and she did. And this is the triumphant end of it. He'll have to pay. Ten years. Up. It was ten years. Ten years. My word, Dida. Oh, wow, the perseverance. We congratulate you, really. Wow, that's it. Not to give yeah, up. Exactly. Not to give over. To put, to put uh, 
to put values about your own suffering or uh, above your own suffering or to put values um, uh, above your personality because my personality only wanted harmony and I wanted to talk about beauty and, and truth, etc. But what happens when you meet the challenge of evil and, uh, and uh, atrocities and lies, etc.? You have to, um, to take a stand in the world against evil. And, that's and you awesome. know what, Dita, look what it made you discover about yourself. Look what it made you discover about yourself. Would you have known way back then that you could have shown such perseverance? Um, would you have known that it was possible for you and not to fold up under the threat and to let, uh, let uh, uh, an, an evil man just ride rough, what is the word, just go over your life as if you are a nothing and a nobody. I mean, you know, it, you, we, you really, you surprised yourself. You proved something. You know, we don't really believe. <laughs> There's one rabbi that said, God has got more faith in us than we have in ourselves. You know, that's true. That's true. So isn't that, isn't that glorious? Mm. I wish you could share this wine and I'm getting a little bit dizzy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't had supper. <laughs> Be careful not to start uh, talking nonsense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, just to come back to what you were saying about uh, conscience and discerning uh, right from wrong, etc. Ten years ago, I was actually living under the mistake that um, uh, to sue some, somebody is against spirituality. I thought it was contradictory because I wanted to just live in beauty and truth, etc., but you were the one who took a very, a very strong stand 10 years ago that this is the right thing to do because otherwise you let uh, evil go on in the world. And um, I think it was Einstein who said, the world looks as it is, uh, not because there are evil people in the world, but because there are not enough good people who will have the courage to stand for the goodness and to fight for it. Mm. That takes courage. Absolutely. Bruce, I'm seeing your face. I don't know why I want to hear. I want to hear something from you. <laughs> I'm just enjoying listening to everyone. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's interesting. I read uh, Viktor Frankl's book about a year ago. Um, I was listening to a couple of different preachers and the guys kept referencing him and I found his book. Um, and then I found a couple of other books on logotherapy and I've just, I don't know, I've just been very interested in, in um, psychology as a whole, which is strange because I'm in advertising and yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a departure. I don't know if I'll, if I'll see it through. It's more self-awareness and just learning about myself a bit, but um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Eh? 
Really That's am. wonderful. Well, there you go. You know, one must you must follow the your heart. You know where you feel drawn. Where your yeah, all the books behind me are. are I'm, I'm must be the only guy in business who just constantly reads uh, philosophy <laughs> books, philosophy and psychology books. Uh, I hide them from everyone else. <laughs> I used to read novels, and now I just read uh, psychology books. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful, Bruce. That's so great. So great to hear you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't see everybody on the screen. Oh, wait a moment. If I go on. Lauren, what about you? Unmute, Lauren. Hi, Taria. Hi. I just had to get my mouse active. Happy <laughs> birthday for yesterday. Thank you. Yes. What a um, Thank you for all these. Thank you for all these wonderful chats. I was listening to, I can see my internet connection is not too good. Can you hear me properly? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. All right. Now I was listening to the radio this morning and they were speaking about how the, the level of happiness around the world currently is much lower than what it was, say, 10 years ago which is, is very, very sad. And instantly I thought of logotherapy and just what a blessing that's been in, in my life and the, and the people around me. Um, yeah, it's caused a, a big awakening in living from moment to moment. Well, Lauren, isn't that amazing too? I mean, instead of, you know, um, I'm so weary of doom prophets um, and but I don't put my head in the sand. But yes, okay. Um, instead of seeing this, oh, isn't that terrible? See it as a challenge. Well, what can I do about the situation in my situation? Mm. Which is exactly what you, your reaction has been. Um, you know, actually, <laughs> there's a great mystery here, but. Um, uh, evil actually serves the good because it provokes mm. it, you know. Otherwise, um, it, it, uh, of course, we want to, like Lido said, have a, 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 a life just of beauty and what have you. But, um, yes, and we need to experience that to see how precious life is. But when life comes and, and challenges us with, with things going wrong, then it actually is uh, an invitation to grow even more in an appreciation of that life. In other words, you know, uh, uh, to to uh, uh, you provoke them to to be working for the good. You know, to be reaching out to people in need. Um, and it, it's it's a gr every every problem is actually a, a challenge, an opportunity. And it, it's never there. Um, uh, there is no such thing as um, a threat so big that, like Frankel said, um, uh, there's this unscathed human spirit means our freedom to choose that we never lose. That he proved in the concentration camps. Nothing could be more horrible than that. That was the ultimate evil. But that that um, uh, uh, the provocation of the the 
pure protest of the human spirit and to say, this is not what ought to be. And then and in such yeah. a deepening in himself that I will work for what ought to be to bring meaning into people's lives, you know, because why? The meaning was going to be crushed by, and I will, I will counteract that evil. So actually, evil serves the good. That's, the, that's how powerful good is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I think there is, there is a big need for more logotherapists oh, in our world. Oh, absolutely, my sweetheart. It doesn't so, matter. Uh, I can't wait for Butcher to be back. And to also discuss, uh, you know, the outreach that, that we can have worldwide because logotherapy uh, can be, logotherapy is actually the art of living. So it's giving you a mastery over uh, how to more effectively be in this world. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm. Even, um, even if, it's, if you're a businessman, <laughs> You you can run a business to the good. Oh boy, you know, uh, I know, I know uh, a person back in South Africa that was provoked to start a bank um, in South Africa that has become one of the biggest banks in South Africa. And the way he renders a service, and you know, and and the the, the way he. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, sets out to make his clients happy and to make his staff happy. And they all in, it, in this together to serve South Africa in that particular area. Wow. So, you know, even, no, not even, business. Business is meaningful, very, very meaningful. It provides necessary service without which we can't function properly. Not so. Mm. Every area. Absolutely every area. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my. I see lovely names over here. Gosh. It's um, so great. You know what, Taria? Um, your talk tonight's given me such food for thought. I'm, I'm sitting with, with a situation. I'm an industrial psychologist, so I, I do psychology in work. Um, there's a leader, one could diagnose her with narcissism, so she's doing such damage in, in that team and to the people in that team. And, and one don't want to taint her with the brush of evil, but um, in making the choices, and, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking and mulling how one can work with that team, because I have to put together a session to help this team next week and I'm bringing I, I want to bring in logotherapy into this but in a very subtle way so that you know it's not too obvious yeah. um, for her to just to make her think and start making choices and understanding the impact you know a person's behavior has on another um, and and tonight's talk has really given me some food for thought I will have to go and listen to it again and um yeah, the, the well, choices you know, you make. Yes, Magrit. Honestly, 
um, here is a is a great great area of work because it's you know always to move away from judgmentalism in judging a person. Um, it's always a call to what the person is doing to themselves. So you know, uh, reaching out to them and experience and making them experience themselves in a different way that there are. Um, options that are much more satisfying. Um, you know, in other words, that kind of confrontational challenge we have as logotherapists. We're not speaking about a Hitler or, you know, a Racy in Iran. Um, you know, uh, there are people um, that you cannot deal with except stand against. But most people, you know, I mean, uh, actually, like we discussed it before, there's a continuum, uh, a continuum uh, you know, one evil act can lead to the next, to the next, and how to stop people in their tracks and not to go down that road. You know, my husband was so loved in, in the pharmaceutical wholesaler where he was a manager in one of the branches because he loved to single out the difficult people. He always singled them out. Nobody liked them. Everybody was, you know, upset about them. He singled them out. And, you know, with, with you, know, a con- you know, contradictory behavior because nobody greets this uh, horrible person or they avoid their company. He sought them out and, you know, treated them like, like Frankel said, um, they, 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 uh, they, uh, they should be. They ought to be. You know, as if they are already somebody to respect and, and you listen to their opinion and and you invite their comments. And, you know, before long, <laughs> these people would change face. It's a phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I think it's a wonderful area of work um, to, to deal with the, with the obstropolis, the very difficult uh, people that make other people's lives a misery they can be a particular target <laughs> you know to make sense. so uh, your approach is wonderful Mahrit. it's to get to her in a good way because what exactly. if you judge her you just write her off and uh, mm-hmm. that's not going to help her the kind of confrontational stand that logotherapy has is always, even in the discipline of our children, is I don't like that behavior because look what it's doing to you. Um, you know, do you really like to feel that way? Um, and it's it's that sort of, it's, it's calling the person out from their wrongdoing. That's what it is. Um, it's never to condemn them, uh, except when they reach a point where they are now absolutely a danger for for the defenseless and the innocent and in protection of the defenseless and the innocent, you take a very deliberate stand. And there are such like that man that Dido spoke about, he was was, uh, making use of her. Of her goodness, you know, and of the fact that 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 she she was a peace seeker and he uh, abused that. And therefore, you know, out of a dignity and reverence for her own life, life called her to take a stand, even to take him to court. So, um, you know, one has to read every situation in the way that it comes to you. There's no kind of general rules. Okay. Well, yeah, I think. Yes. 
I think uh, what Mahrit just brought uh, uh, as a question, and she mentioned the word uh, not, the word narcissistic, and that man that indeed I had to sue in the end, he was even a psychopath, which is even further on the continuum of narcissism. And I think this is a very thin line in terms of your responsibility, what the right thing to do is. Because on one hand, it's absolutely your responsibility to give, uh, to give a mirror to such a person, to give a mirror, not in a, not in a violent way, not at all. I always said, if I, if I decide to sue that man in the end, I will do it only if I come to a neutral place in me, that I'm not a victim on one hand and I'm not revengeful on the other yeah. hand. Very good, Dido. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You've yeah. got to deal with your own emotions first. Yeah. Yeah. But in any case, in all those cases, it's a very big question because on one hand, it is your responsibility to give a mirror to wrongdoing. I even discussed it with Batya's husband, who is a rabbi, because I was so immersed in the in the real question of what's the right thing to do. And on the other hand, those people, what really characterizes them is that they have no, of course, every person has conscience, but they have no connection to their conscience, like Hitler, etc. And so most case, in most cases, even if you give them a mirror, they will not see no. the mirror. They no. will <laughs> go on saying that you're crazy and you're inventing it. And there is this way, this word of gaslighting, like they make you crazy by uh, throwing everything at you. So on one hand, you, it's your responsibility to give a mirror. And on the other hand, you have to create a space of, of uh, compassion mm -hmm. uh, for that person because their wrongdoing comes from their own inner suffering. That is for sure. Of course, they are absolutely no, not conscious of it. They don't know it. They have no idea. But it comes from their own suffering. And therefore, it is so, uh, it is such an important and deep question what responsibility is, what accountability is, mm. and all that. And uh, I can't say the exact quote now, but uh, when I was so busy with that question, Batya once showed me an, um, a footnote in the Doctor and the Soul of Frankel, just a, a short footnote, how many ramifications an action that you do decide to take have on the others and on, on that person and on the other persons. And therefore, it is so very difficult to decide what's the right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Dido. Um, it's, it's eight o'clock, my sweethearts. I want to end. And uh, Rain, I just wanted to say thank you so much. Rain sent me most beautiful painting uh, as a, you know, in uh, her birthday wishes. Oh, my goodness. So thank you, Rain, and thank you, everybody. And um, we will continue our discussions. And, you know, I think we can uh, set aside um, uh, a contemplation on radical evil. 
um, to to know how to discern. Um, and because we fa- we're being faced with radical evil in the world right now, so you know what what are we? Uh, uh, what should our attitude be? But anyway. Um, it, nothing and no one can rob us of our freedom to love life, which we do. So, lechaim to everybody. Until next time.